0: Today we're starting a series called Active Faith, and we're going to be looking at how to live out your faith, how to act, how to uh, behave, how to be, actually. Uh, You know, uh, since the beginning of creation, people struggled with the meaning and purpose of life. Uh, Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? Uh, How do I live my life in relation to God? How do I live my life in relation to other people? I mean, it's just been a a question that has weighed on us. Uh, Shakespeare asked the question, to be Or not to be. Uh, Socrates said, to be is to do. Uh, John Paul Sartre said, to do is to be. Frank Sinatra said, do, be, do, be, do. (laughs) There is a tension between being and doing. And the Bible presents that tension as a tension between believing. And doing. A tension between faith and works. Uh, Paul teaches us very clearly in Ephesians, that it is by grace that we are saved through faith, not through works. Uh, then James comes along, on your outlines on the screen, James says, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, if it's not accompanied by works, that faith is dead. So who's right? James or Paul? The answer is they're both right because they're talking about different things. Paul was fighting the problem of legalism, the problem of I've got to try and keep all the Jewish laws and regulations even as a Christian. James is not fighting legalism, he's fighting laxity. Laxity says doesn't matter what you do as long as you believe. You know, if I believe in Jesus, I can do anything or nothing and I'll still be Okay. But they use the word works, they use the concept of action to make their point. It's just they're using them in different ways. Paul uses the words works, and he's talking about the Jewish law, circumcision, keeping the Sabbath, dietary laws, the sacrifices, the feasts, the vows, all the temple stuff. When James uses the word works, he's talking about the lifestyle of a Christian, He's talking about acts of service, acts of ministry, acts of kindness, demonstrations of love. Two totally different issues. Paul focuses on the root of salvation. What happens to me internally? James is focusing on the fruit of salvation. What happens externally? Now in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Paul says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, for a life of good works. And the prepositions there are crucial... By grace through faith for good works. If you get the prepositions turned around, then then things get screwy on you. We're saved by grace through faith for good works. Then the question becomes well, if that's how I know I'm a believer, by grace through faith, how do I show that I'm a believer? If faith is the root, what's the fruit? Because if all you got is root, you know, that's not good. If all you got is root, it's a turnip. Nobody likes turnips. Okay? So you've got to have fruit. But it, in order to have fruit, you've got to have the root. So it takes both of them. Now James says that there are five ways that you can demonstrate an active faith. Number one, active faith is not just something you say. Yes, you need to talk about, you need to verbalize, you need to speak out your faith. But active faith is not just something you say. What good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Notice, it does not say he actually has faith. It just says he claims to have it. He talks about it. All the right phrases, all the right cliches, all the right slogans. He's got the jargon down. But the words are hollow if the works don't follow. Okay? Jesus said, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody with a Christian bumper sticker is, is a believer. Uh, can such faith save him? What, kind of, what value is this kind of faith? James says it's of no value. You know, Active faith isn't just something that you say. Number two, active faith is not just something you feel. Don't confuse sentimentality with spirituality. You can be emotionally moved by something and not believe it. You can be emotionally moved by something and it not be true. You can be emotionally moved by something and then not act on it. And James illustrates this, verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? It doesn't matter how you feel about it if you don't do anything about it. If after church, you got out here and you slam your fingers in the car door and you're standing there in the parking lot in agony, blood dripping down your fingers, and I walk up and oh, I feel so bad for you. Man, that's got to hurt. <laughs> I just really feel sorry for you. Oh, man, that's, I feel horrible. That's no help. In fact, you'll probably tell me, go away. Okay? But if I show up with an ice pack and some bandages, now something's happening. Active faith is more than just sympathy. It's more than just emotion. Active faith takes the initiative to give assistance. You act on it. And he's talking about Christian brothers here, brothers and sisters. When you become a part of God's family, you have family responsibilities. 1 John 3, 17, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Because active faith is generous, and it wants to give. One of the proofs of salvation is we love other believers. We love other Christians. And James says, if my faith doesn't lead me to acts of service to other people, there's something wrong with it. In fact, in verse 17, he says it's dead. Faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by actions, is dead. If I'm not willing to help other believers, I don't have a sick faith. I have a dead faith. Because active faith is not just something you say, it's not just something that you feel. Number three, active faith is not just something you think. Yes, we need to be thoughtful about our faith. But some people, all they want to do is think about it. it faith is just something to be studied, to be debated, discussed, or to be talked over. Verse 18, someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. Circle the words, show me show you active faith is visible you can see it it is evident if you claim to be a christian i have the right to ask you to prove it with your lifestyle you know you need to step up i believe in jesus well let me see your actions back up your words second corinthians five seventeen. Any anytime a person becomes a christian he becomes a new person inside that's the fruit the old things pass away all things become new that's that that's the that's the fruit So you got the root, and the fruit is life change. I mean, how can somebody as big as God come into your life and not change how you live? What can I see in my life that proves that I'm a believer? Well, it's through life change. It makes a difference. Number four, active faith is not just something you believe. James says, you believe there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You know, a lot of people have strong beliefs about God, the Bible, Christ. They can quote creeds, they can quote catechisms, they can quote Bible verses. James says that's just not enough. Even the devil believes in God. You know, the devil knows more Bible verses than you do. The devil is more aware of theology than you are. The the devil believes in God, he just doesn't obey God. The demons believe in God. It says they shudder. Greek word there is to bristle. It's like the hair stands up on the back of their neck. Why do the demons bristle? Because they understand the majesty and the awesomeness of God. They believe in God and they tremble because they don't obey God. That's the difference. People say, I believe in God. James says, well, good. But even the demons believe. It's not just a matter of what you believe. It's what are you going to do about it. And in America today, there's just too much easy believism. Oh, I believe, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. Well, do you attend church? No. Are you actively involved in ministry and and ministering to other people and building the church? No. Do you tithe? No. James says that, that that's a dead faith. You're fooling yourself if your faith doesn't lead to action. That's number five. Active faith is something you do. You do. James gives two illustrations here, two people, exact opposite extremes. Abraham is a man, Rahab is a woman. Abraham is Jewish. Rahab is a Gentile. Abraham is a patriarch. Rahab's a prostitute. Abraham is a somebody. Rahab's a nobody. Abraham's a major character in the Bible. The chapters written about Abraham. Rahab, minor character, a few little verses. James uses these two illustrations says it doesn't matter where you're at. what end of the spectrum? What they have in common is their faith in God moved them to act. Verse 20, you foolish men, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? His faith and his actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. Scripture was fulfilled when it said, Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You know, God put Abraham's faith to the test when he asked him to, to sacrifice his son Isaac. It had nothing to do with Abraham's salvation. Abraham's already a believer at this point. Twenty-five years earlier, uh, Abraham believed in God, and God said, uh, Abraham, you are righteous. He's not talking about Abraham being saved by his works. He's saying Abraham's works demonstrated that he was a believer. I mean, he immediately obeyed God. He took his son Isaac up onto the mountain, he cut the wood, he built the altar, he drew the knife. And God stopped him at that point and said, Abraham, you have passed the test. Because his actions proved his faith. Same's is true for, for Rahab in Joshua chapter 2. It's the story of how a prostitute in the city of Jericho hid the spies from Israel saved their lives, sent them out another way, and helped God accomplish his will in the city of Jericho. And because of her faith in God that led her to act, Rahab is included in the lineage of Jesus Christ. You read through the genealogies in the New Testament, and Rahab, a Gentile prostitute, is one of the ancestors of Jesus because she acted on her faith. Our faith is not determined by what we do. It is demonstrated by what we do. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test it. Check it out. See if you really are a believer or not. So in the light of what James says about an active faith, we need to ask ourselves, am I really a Christian? What changes can I point to in my life? Is my lifestyle any different than the unbelievers around me? Is my lifestyle any different now than it was after the moment when I claimed to believe in Jesus Christ? And too many people think it doesn't matter what you do as long as you believe. James says, no, 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 that's not true. He says, how what you believe is, determines that you get into heaven, but how what you believe also determines how you will live and act, who you will be here. And if your faith doesn't work, what good is it? So how do I know if my faith is real? Paul says examine yourself. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you have doubts. Maybe you're not sure if you're a believer or not. I mean, are you absolutely, positively sure that if you died today, you'd go into heaven? And you can be sure of that fact. You you can leave here today without a shadow of a doubt because we know how to be saved. It is by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It is by grace you have been saved through faith for a life of good works. That God has already prepared for us to do. God's grace reaches down. God says, I want you to know me. I want to know you. I want to be in a relationship with you. And our hand of faith reaches up to God. And we say, God, I want to know you. I want to be in relationship with you. And God's hand of grace and our hand of faith connect. And salvation occurs at that moment. We are saved by grace through faith. And you can be assured of that. But you are saved to do exactly what God made you to do. This beating heart, it was made. It was made for you. You know, you're not here by accident. God has a purpose. God has a ministry. God has a mission that he wants you to fulfill. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, God's not surprised. It's not like God says, oh, wow, now what do I do with him? No. God's prepared. He's been preparing good works for you to do all along. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. But too many believers get saved and stop there. Too many believers believe, but they don't act on it. So they fall short of that new, eternal, abundant life that God wants them to enjoy and fulfill. They get saved, but they don't get delivered from their sin. They they get saved, but they wallow in their woundedness, in their weakness. They get saved, but they live shallow lives in worldly pursuit. Too many believers get saved and then do more work for the world than they do for Jesus Christ that's our problem. So what do you do about it? How how do you break through in this arena of an active faith? How do you get up off your blessed assurance and get to work for the cause of Christ? How do you do it? That's what we want to talk to you about in this active faith sermon series, and it's going to be good. Now, those of you who are taking notes, you think the sermon is over. This was just the introduction, okay? So even though you're out of, out of space on your outline, I'm going to give you the real message right now. If you weren't taking notes, you need to get out a piece of paper and write down these four words. There's no fill-in form; You're just going to have to scroll them in on the bottom of your page there. But these four words will change your life. If I ever write a book, it's going to be on these four words. The, these four words will move you from a dead faith to an active faith. So just write them out across the bottom of your outline. Decision, commitment, conviction, and victory. And I said there's four words, there's actually eight. There's me, we, he, and be that you write underneath. But I'm going to start with victory. We're going to start with the end goal in mind and then see how do we get there. The first question you need to ask yourself is, do I truly want victory over my sin? Do I truly want victory over my sin? Or would I rather struggle with my sin because I really like to struggle with my sin more than I would like to have victory over it? That is a crucial question for any area where you struggle. And these are questions I've had to ask myself in my life. Do I truly want victory over my sin? You know, would I rather struggle with obesity than be healthy? Would I rather be in debt than be debt-free? Would I rather be, uh, struggle with an addiction than be sober? Would I rather look at porn than be pure? Would I rather struggle with my sin and still be able to enjoy it, even though there's some shame and regret and consequences? Would I rather struggle with my sin than get victory over it? Because if I gain victory over it, I don't get to do it anymore. Would I rather struggle with my weight than be healthy? Because my struggle allows me to eat whatever I want. And I can justify it because I'm struggling. Jesus gives me victory over that, then I don't get to eat whatever I want anymore. So I'd rather struggle than have victory. Would I rather be in debt than be debt-free? Because my struggle allows me to spend my money however I want to, rather than submit myself to the discipline of a budget. Jesus gives me victory over my finances, now i got to spend my money in responsible ways, in the ways that he tells me, rather than in the ways I want to on cars and shoes and vacations. So I'd rather struggle than have victory. Would I rather have struggle with my addiction than gain freedom from it? Because the struggle allows me to feed and fulfill my addiction. I get to binge, act out, relapse, all in the name of recovery but if Jesus gives me victory over my addiction, I never get to do it anymore. So I'd rather struggle than have victory. And those are deep, soul-searching questions that will tear you up. Because there are too many Christians who really don't want to have victory. They, They enjoy the struggle of sin more than they long for the freedom that comes with victory. Too many Christians don't want an active faith, because if they have an active faith, it means they have to act. They have to behave, they have to do, they have to be more like Jesus Christ than like themselves. Do you want victory in your marriage? Do you truly want victory in your marriage? Or would you rather struggle along being a poor husband or poor wife than being becoming the, the spouse that Jesus Christ wants you to be? You know, under the word victory, write the word be. What kind of person am I going to be? And the only way you get to victory is through surrender. You are not going to win this war in your own strength. You you must decide to surrender each and every area of your life to Jesus Christ. You must decide regarding your diet, your debt, your drugs, your destiny. Am I going to struggle between what I want to do and what Christ wants me to do? Or am I going to surrender to Christ? Under the word decide, write the word me. Because each person must decide this for himself or herself. This is a personal decision that I must make for me. You ever decided somebody else should lose some weight? You ever decided how somebody else ought to spend their money? You ever decide that somebody else ought to get sober? How'd that work for you? I can tell you, it didn't. It don't work. The question of whether or not you're going to experience victory rests with you. It is a personal decision that you must make. And the Bible is full of verses about making a personal decision to obey God and believe in Jesus Christ. Choose you this day whom you will serve. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. God says make a decision. Make up your mind. Decide that you want the victory. But a decision is not all it takes. I mean, have you ever decided that you want victory and you didn't get it? Yeah, like a thousand times, and we all experienced that one. Simply deciding that I want to make a life change, simply deciding that I want an act of faith is not enough. We've all decided this stuff every year on January 1st and failed on January 2nd. You know, the decision's not enough. What's missing? It's the next two words. And you've got to have both of them for this to work. Once you decide, now you've got to commit to a commitment. Not enough to decide, I must make a commitment. Underneath commitment, write the word we. Because once you make the decision, you've got to share that decision with another human being. Why? Because recovery, healing, victory, always, 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 always happens in community you cannot do this alone because when you become a believer in Christ you become part of the body of Christ and body parts isolated from the body severed body parts do not heal severed body parts do not recover severed body parts shrivel severed body parts shrivel that'll tweet but if you tweet it, the FBI will come to your house. Okay? <laughs> so be careful with that. But you got to understand that. That an active faith must be lived out in community. You must make a commitment... With another person. Iron sharpens iron. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. If one falls down, the other one can pick him up. You've got to make a commitment to another person so you can pursue victory together. That's why we, we plead with you to get into a small group around here. That's why our recovery ministry, Celebrate Recovery, is done in groups, in open share groups and step study groups, because recovery happens in community. That's why when we teach the Daniel plan, that's our health and fitness plan around here, we, we do that in small groups. When we teach Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University principles, we teach financial principles in groups. Why? Because you cannot do it alone. You've got to make a commitment, and a commitment requires two parties. But if you just make the commitment without this next word, it won't work. The the next word, conviction. Conviction is where the power of God is unleashed in your life. If you're not living in victory in an area of struggle, this is the missing piece. This is the missing piece. Conviction is where you move beyond making a decision. You move beyond the power of commitment. Conviction is where you bring God into the process. Now, what's conviction? Well, an opinion is something I will argue about. A conviction is something I will die for. A conviction is something I will live for. A a conviction sets the direction for my life. In the biblical sense, in the life of a believer, living out an active faith, a conviction is a belief that is tied so strongly to the promise and the presence of God, that it unleashes the power of God in your life. That's why it's so crucial. Because you cannot do this stuff in your own power. You can't. You've tried. That's why you haven't done it. You've got to have the power of the conviction. 1 Thessalonians 1, 1.5, Paul says, Our gospel came to you not simply with words. Gospel isn't just words. But also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep, conviction. That's the power of the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is unleashed through conviction. If you're going to live out on active faith, you're going to live on the victory side. You've got to decide, first of all, that you want the victory. You've got to surrender. And then you've got to get yourself committed, connected with other believers. You make a commitment in community, or you won't keep it. I mean, if you just make a commitment to another person, to a spouse or to a workout partner or to a financial advisor, that's not enough. We see that all the time. Those commitments are only made strong enough when conviction enters the picture, when the power of God comes to bear. The, the, the message paraphrases this verse says, the Holy Spirit puts steel into your convictions. But it starts when you've got a hunger, when you've got a thirst For the victory. A hunger and a thirst for righteousness. So much so that you are willing to surrender the struggle. You're willing to open yourself up to another person and say, Man, I I really struggle with this. i got to have some help. Will you help me? And when you bring the power of the promise and the word of God to bear on that, and then you'll live on the victory side. You'll live out an active faith. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word and for the plan that you have for us. God, you do not call us to live life in our own strength. No. It's not even how you wired us up. Not your plan at all. Your plan was for us to surrender ourselves to you and receive your power, your strength. To make the decisions, to make the commitments, to have the conviction that we need to have to live on the victory side. And maybe you're here today and you've never never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And so I'd invite you right now just to open your heart and life and say, God, I give up. I ask Jesus Christ to come into my life to forgive me of my sin, to bind up my wounds, to give me that new, abundant, eternal life that he offers, to give me the power to live my life in a way that is pleasing to you and beneficial to me. And maybe you're here and you've been a believer for years and you've struggled. There are areas of life where you have just struggled and struggled and struggled. And I'd invite you in this moment to say, I'm tired of the struggle. I want the victory. I want the victory more than I want the struggle. And so today I am making a decision. I am surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. Would you just pray, God, give me the strength to open myself up to another person. Give me the strength to share with somebody in my small group, to share with somebody maybe to go to celebrate recovery. Make that breakthrough to get connected in community with someone to help me make this happen. And I'd invite you in this moment to just make it a matter of conviction, to say, God, I need you to unleash your power in my life. And so I claim your presence. I claim your promise. Claim your power. Give me the victory, God. For we ask it in Jesus' name.